Hello, everyone. This is Travis J. Vernon, and welcome to today's podcast. I hope everybody's been enjoying the stories. It was fun having my little brother on in here and some of his side of the stories. I would really appreciate it if you would go on to however you listen to your podcast and give me a five-star review and a subscribe. My entire life, I've been a child. I get that thrill of anticipation, the next adventure, looking forward to that next experience. Those are driving forces for me. As it gets into the cold and depth of winter, I start thinking about hanging a hammock in pine trees on a lake and fishing in those high mountain streams. I start tying flies in anticipation of the season to come. And I'm always looking for that next fish to check off my bucket list, that next place to go. But one of the other things that I truly enjoy in life is teaching other people about my passions and about my hobbies, especially the youth. There is nothing that compares to the look on a child's face when their world is enlarged and they realize that there's more out there than what they had originally thought there was. When they're able to experience a new experience or be able to do something that they either didn't think they were capable of or didn't even know that it was something that was possible to do. But sometimes parents concern themselves a little too much. I feel that sometimes in today's world, we put so many restrictions and safety precautions around the youth that they're not able to experience even the world that you experienced when you were a child. There are people out there who will be mentors. There are people that will teach and inspire. And in some senses, I think we're doing the youth a disservice by not letting them experience the world as we knew it. I truly believe that there should be a lot more education and instruction on real-world activities and enjoying the bounty of nature. Some of my hobbies include carving decoys, tying flies, fly fishing, archery hunting, archery practice, target shooting, going on foraging and cooking trips, hunting and fishing trips, and just exploring the world around me. When you get kids into the outdoors, it can open their eyes to things that they never knew existed. For those of you with children or hope to have children one day, sometimes it's easier to have someone else teach your spouse or child. And it's not that you don't know what you're doing, but for whatever reason, people will listen to someone else that they think is an expert over someone that they know on a more personal level. On one occasion, I was fishing with a father-daughter, Brian and Hannah, and I was able to help Hannah catch her first fish. The look on her face, the smile in her eye, there was just this little back eddy of a pool, and we were throwing little tiny dry flies on a little tiny rod, and she was able to hook her first fish, get it to the net, hold it for the picture. And one of the most amazing moments of that whole trip for me was the next day when I got to work, and there was this handwritten note from Hannah that just said, thanks for helping me catch my first fish. I still have that note, and I cherish it to this day. Now, on the other extreme of that, sometimes as parents, you may want to drop your kids off with a guide just so you can get some quality downtime. I'm not going to say that a guide or a mentor is a babysitter, but in some senses, sometimes we're babysitters. Other times, maybe a husband and wife want to fish together, and it's kind of fun to let the husband and wife fish together with a guide and another guide take the kids. I have always loved working with the youth. And when I first started guiding, a lot of the guides would not take children. It was adamant. 
we don't take children. Well, I explained to the guide coordinators that I like taking children. I have no problem doing it. Those are some of my most memorable experiences. So I jumped right on the list of anyone who called with small children, I would take them. You could put me on that list. One of my favorite families that would come out was the Gill family. They had all boys, and some of them were extremely young. And one day, I took the two youngest boys because I knew that they're the type of kids that if they get bored, we could probably go cut down willow switches, have sword fights, throw rocks, look for frogs, and they're going to be just as excited doing that as catching fish. So a guide with mom and dad went downriver, some of the older boys went downriver, and the two younger boys and I headed upriver to one of my favorite spots. So we were maybe a quarter mile away. We fished for a while, catch some fish, and exactly what I thought would happen happened. Boys became bored, they wanted to do other things, we started looking for bugs, turning over rocks, trying to find sculpins, catching different things with nets, looking for butterflies, hopped around on beaver pond dams. And then out of the blue, the two boys ask, can we put that log in the river? I'm like, sure, we can put that log in the river. So I help him and we roll this great big dead tree down into the water and watch it float on down the river. They thought that was so much fun. They wanted to do it again. So for about the next half an hour, that's all we did is we hiked around, found big logs, hauled them to the river and floated them down. We were having races with little stick boats and sending these big logs down the river. Well, time passes pretty quick when you're having fun stuff like that go on. And it was time to head back for lunch. We get back to lunch, and mom and dad are both super concerned. Are you boys okay? Like, yeah, we're all fine. What happened? They had experienced some of these massive logs floating down the river, and they were concerned for our safety because the boys were so small that they were afraid that maybe the logs would hit into the boys while they were fishing. And I gave the boys the look of, don't you dare tell your mom that that was us. And to their credit, it wasn't until two years ago that they completely admitted all the things we did and that it was really us floating those logs down the river. But those are the kind of days that I just love on the water. Now, every so often you get that child that doesn't want anything to do with the out of doors. They would rather just sit on the bank and play on a phone or an iPad And on one occasion, a young man who was fishing with a buddy of mine got really upset, threw his rod, and rods are pretty expensive. It's the tools of our trade. So we expect people to treat them just with a little bit of kindness. We know that there's going to be damages here and there and things are going to happen, but there's no reason to ever throw somebody else's equipment. And the guide told the child, please don't do that. You need to sit down over here, take a breather, just relax. And he said, nope, I'm out of here. I can see the vehicle back there. I'm going to go back to the vehicle and just took off. Well, while yes, you could see the vehicle from where we were on the river to the vehicle, the willow trees were between six and 10 feet in height, easily hide bedded moose, which happened more than one occasion where you come through the bushes and there was a moose. Most of the time they would just take off running and we wouldn't have to deal with them. Every so often we'd have to slowly sneak back out of there. Knock on wood, but lucky for me, I have never been charged by a moose. Myself or clients, I really hope I didn't curse myself. So it was thought that the young man was just going to head back to our main area. We get back to the main area. He's not there. Instant panic ensues. Parents are upset. I can't believe you left my child. 
It's like, well, we didn't leave your child. He was being kind of a punk and took off. So off we go scouting the willow thickets trying to find this young man. Now, if you've ever been in high mountain areas, willow trees have kind of a black, I don't know if it's a mold, but it's kind of a black powder all over the branches. And if you have a pair of khaki pants on and walk through willows, you come out the other side looking like a gray and tan zebra. When we finally locate this child, he's huddled in the fetal position at the base of one of these willow trees because he got lost, heard a noise, and then would not answer to us yelling his name. And he was literally black from head to toe. Yeah, we didn't get much of a tip that day. Those parents were upset. But they should have been upset with their own kid. It wasn't us. But then he became the example child of what not to do when we had other children out there. And we'd say, this is what can happen. Stay with the group. One day I had a couple of kids and their parents. And I walked a kid up to this beautiful run. There was a small gravel bar that extended out into the pool. You could walk out onto the gravel bar and cast to the cup bank on the far side. But a lot of fish would hold on that gravel bar right in that transitional seam of the river just waiting for food to come down. So I set him up, got him casting, caught a fish, went down river to help his dad, was getting his dad set up, and I see the kid start to inch his way out across this gravel bar. So I go back up, walk him through everything, say, look, the fish are just on the other side of this gravel bar. They're only six or seven feet in front of you. You don't even need to make long casts. And he tells me that he, he saw a fish rise by that cut bank on the other side of the river. I completely understand. You'll get to that fish eventually, but start on our side and we'll slowly work our way across and we'll catch those fish. And then I point out to him, see how you can see to the edge of the gravel bar and then you can't see the bottom anymore. The reason you can't see the bottom anymore is because it's so deep. You need to stay back here so that you can cast to where the fish are and not go in over your waders. Okay, okay, I understand. Not going to go all the way over there. So I head back down and start fishing with the dad again. Every single cast, he would take a step forward. So this time, instead of walking up, I just holler up to him. Hey, you're getting too close to the edge of that drop-off. Stay back. Don't keep creeping forward. He takes another step. Bud, you're really getting close to that drop-off. He takes another step. Bloop, under he goes. Completely gone. Run up the river. He's doing the sputter gasp, hanging onto his rod. Hole is completely ruined now. We get back down to the dad. We're draining out his waders, getting his clothes wrung out. It's a warm day, so he's going to be just fine. And that's one of those teaching moments where the child already knows what they did wrong. They've already been told. But some people just have to learn from experience. And I think this is one of those cases. He got really, really cold. Never was able to cast to that fish that he really wanted to try and catch. And he learned a pretty tough lesson that day. Hopefully he remembers that lesson for the rest of his life. Probably one of my most absolute, most memorable, amazing experiences I had on the river with the child was a young boy named Taylor Thaw from Georgia. Now I'm going to have to do a whole podcast on the Georgia boys who would come up and fish with us. Taylor's dad, Darrell, is a great guy. We've always been good friends. We're fishing with the whole family spread out along this high mountain stream. Now Taylor had grown up fishing. He was good at it. He knew what he was doing. He had that deep southern accent that was really fun to have conversations with him because most of the time I wasn't 100% sure what he said, but such a great kid. 
Well, like any kid, you want to see what's around that next bend. So off he goes down the river. His brother Jay heads down that direction as well. And I'm fishing a few hundred yards upstream around a couple bends with his dad. 20 or 30 minutes go by. And here comes Taylor running up the bank of the river, just sobbing, screaming, they're after me, they're after me. We're trying to calm him down. You're okay, we're here, what's going on, what's after you? They're after me, they're after me. Mike Taylor, what's after you? The, the pterodactyls. And at that moment, I couldn't help but laugh. I'm like, the what? He's like, the pterodactyls, they're chasing me. Come to find out, young Taylor had gotten a little too close to a sandhill crane nest. And for a young boy, a couple of sandhill cranes defending their nest must have appeared like pterodactyls. I have absolutely loved fishing with the youth and watching these young men and women grow into pillars of the communities and outstanding adults. It is so important to get kids outside. If you don't have kids, do what I do. Volunteer. Do what you can to see the look on those kids' faces. Do your part to help expand their world. Get out there, live your stories, and help kids live theirs. Thank you.